What's up, everybody? How you doing? Welcome to an episode here of the podcast version of Palangi Studio of Rock, only on Radio Wigwam. If you want to hear the live versions, make sure you tune in every Tuesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 8 UK. Today's episode, I'm very honored to have Mr. James Michael in the building here from the band 6AM and Melissa Harding, who's also a vocal coach extraordinaire. Let's chat with them. What's up, everybody? Here's another episode of Radio Wigwam Palenji's Studio of Rock. Today we have two guests. Now, I've never had two in the same room. Mr. James Michael and Melissa Harding, vocal coach extraordinaire, 6 a.m. production wizard. How you guys doing out there? <laughs> doing good, Frank. How are you? <laughs> good. Melissa, and I, say and I just I just want to point out how much I love the fact that we were just chatting before we hit record and you sounded so different than all of a sudden bang as soon as those <laughs> as soon as the red light went on your voice just turned into this magic mist like like wolf wolf what is it wolfman jack remember him <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> it's on stage uh, man you got the sound man you, I always wished I had that kind of sound in my voice it's cool you you can attain it too it's it's attainable even melissa well, has it and Melissa is the person to, to, to help me obtain it if, if I want to. Right. So she hey, is, you know what? he, he can, he can do all those kinds of things, but, but yeah, Frank, you've got some nice, like cool gravel going on there. I love it. <laughs> In fact, Frank, you, you, you'll be interested to know that, that most of the vocal questions that I have for Melissa recently is just about my talking voice. I'm like obsessed with my talking voice. I've always wanted to have like a really cool talking voice like you have. Oh, okay. And, and so it's like, sometimes I will just call her and I'll be like, okay, so you hear how my voice is right now. You hear how I'm talking right now, hear how weak I sound. I need to find a way to make, and I, and I just get so frustrated because I don't like my talking voice. <laughs> now everybody knows because they're on the air. Well, exactly. I'm just, hey, I got nothing true. to hide. Practice the, the old low, low register, the baritone, the, the, the warble and the vibrato. Uh, okay. <laughs> the warble and the vibrato. <laughs> Together. That's a now, Melissa, exactly. how long have you been teaching? Uh, I, I just started taking lessons and people can go to your website as well. Yeah, you're, you know, you're a new student for me, right? And yeah, I'm a it's newbie. Fun because every time, you know, I work with somebody who's a rock singer and they know who James is and they know that I kind of worked with him. I feel like it gives me that little vouch of like, oh, she's part of our club. You know, she can well, yeah. work with me and I'm a rock singer, you know, well, you like, tour with 6 a.m. too. You're on the records, you know. Yeah. You're yeah, part of the, you know, the 6 a.m. Yeah, I I started teaching young. I started teaching like right out the gate at 18. People were just asking for lessons. And that was during the time that. As a young singer in L.A., James was really training me in the studio and teaching me to sing in the studio and how to be a good, you know, vocalist in general, just walking into a studio behind a mic. Um, But I started teaching voice then. I just always have been training, you know, and then and really going out on the road. That was my first time doing major touring as well. So really being able to put into effect a lot of the techniques that I had learned about voice and vocal recovery and vocal health and all and that classically kind of stuff. And, trained with and, plays. Yeah. Yeah. Musical theater and yeah. classically trained um, in voice as well. And, you know, I think my classical voice teacher wanted me to go that way. And I kind of got tattoos and did other things. <laughs> you know? Then you uh, met James okay. and you toured. <laughs> 
exactly. I seen you guys on the Rockin' Derby. It's the first time I, I, I seen you guys on there when we, cause we opened the show early, early that day. We were the first one. And, um, I do remember you on stage, but there was two female backup vocals. If I remember. Yeah. There were two of us. Um, he can speak to why they brought us more than I can, but it okay. was a really incredibly fun job to do. And yeah, I mean, it was, I, and I don't remember Rock and Derby. We talked about this a little bit. I don't remember. And James, I don't know if you do, I but think, I cannot remember I think what that, show it was. I think that you would remember it. Um, I honestly feel like that was the first show when I was starting to get sick right before we did... Um, uh, what is that? The Rock on the range. Yeah, so, yeah. so I think yeah. that it was right before that. And I think that was the first day that I, w I went out on stage and actually a couple of songs I needed to like drop down my voice to it, to an octave lower, just to make it through a couple of those, those mm -hmm. choruses, because I was really getting hit hard with whatever that, that bug was that I had. Yeah. Oh. I don't remember Let's that see. on stage. So well, good. I mean, that's kind of the that's kind of what you hope for is that nobody notices. But um, I did but notice because yeah. um, uh, we had we could go anywhere. The the stage passes and you could eat all day. They had a place in the back <laughs> eat all day. So I was there sitting there. Megadeth's drummer was coming over. I it was a new drummer, three days old, and I was like, "Who's this guy?" And he's like, "Oh, I'm drumming for Megadeth." I was like, "Oh, oh my god." But anyways, I seen Nikki Six backstage. He had like six bodyguards right off the stage. I was like, "You're not even allowed back there," and he's got six bodyguards. <laughs> my my question for you is, how did you meet Nikki, and then how did this whole thing like? How did he pick you as the man to to sing all this? Well, um, I met Nikki because I had signed a record deal with a company called Beyond Music um, back in 1999. And Beyond Music was in partnership with Motley Crue. So part of Beyond Music was this subsidiary label called uh, Motley Records. Uh, okay. So we were we, so basically we became label mates. Um, and I, I made this solo record back in 99 called Inhale. And um, and the owner of the label played my record for Nikki. And it was right around the time that Nikki and Motley Crue were getting ready to make their next record. Mm -hmm. And there was, you know, it was at a point where where Tommy and he weren't seeing eye to eye on certain things. So it made the writing process for them just not something that it, it wasn't appealing to them. But, you know, they had schedules to, to stick to and they needed songs yeah. for this record. Saints so of Los Angeles, I think it this was, was yeah. actually the record before Saints of Los oh, Angeles. Okay, actually, okay. This was a record called New Tattoo. So that's oh. that's when Nikki and I met. We wrote a few songs. We wrote several songs for New Tattoo. Uh, and that's when we established a really good writing uh, rapport together. Uh, Saints of Los Angeles came came next, but that was several years later. And that was one that I, I actually fully produced and mixed as well. So by then, okay. my relationship, not only with Nikki, but with the rest of the band, had solidified. And um, and it was just it was a great time. It was it was a it was a fun time when we made Saints of Los Angeles, because that was that marked the first time that all original members had gotten together and recorded together um yeah since uh since back in 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 the day so uh it was it was 
it was quite a, a pivotal time for them and an exciting time for me to be involved with them. So that's really how we got started together. That's cool. That was actually the first crew record I had was New Tattoo. I don't know if it oh, was yeah. good or bad, but I remember a song, something Alligator in it. I don't know if you wrote that one. Hey there, hey, Alligator or something. I was like, okay. Uh, <laughs> I can't remember all of the songs on there. <sighs> I think I wrote about six of them. Um, I could tell it was a different drummer, though. I really could. That's right. That yeah. was uh, that was Randy Castillo. Actually, was the dr- who has since passed, and 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 we oh, okay. we, and we miss him dearly uh, in the music industry. But um, but yeah, that was that was an interesting time. It was not. Uh, it was very very different making the new tattoo record than it was making Saints of Los Angeles because yeah. of what I described. Because during Saints of Los Angeles, there was this sense that they were all getting back together and and making history to a degree. And and, and I think that we made a really brilliant record that, that kind of celebrated what they had created over the years. Yeah, I agree. Melissa, how you doing over there? I'm great. You know what, James? <laughs> I worked for you as your assistant when you made that record, do you remember? That's right. And, and you know what was really cool about Melissa and I working together, whether she was my assistant or whether she was my coach or whether yeah. she, you know, my backup singer or, I mean, she's been all of those. Um, yep. And um, what was One really great, yeah, it, well, that was actually what was really great about it is that, I mean, even to this day, you know, uh, just to be able to lean on Melissa to get just world-class vocals done on any record at any time, just literally by having her pop over to the studio or by being able to send her files, it's just been a game changer for me because the neat thing about Melissa is that she can really shape her voice to do just about anything, okay. kind of kind of the way that I am too. You know, we're, we're both kind of chameleons when it comes down to the way that we vocalize. Um, sometimes that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, as in, as in this case, when I can just lean on her to, to, to deliver really any type of vocal, whether it's a, a country vocal or a rock vocal or a That's metal a lot vocal. of pressure, Melissa, a lot of pressure, it, it, you know, but it, it's fun. <laughs> That's he taught me how to do it. You know, he's really taught me how to do it. And I oh, okay. remember that when you were making Saints of Los Angeles, I remember I was like on, I lived in Santa Monica at the time, I think still. And I get this call and it was like, can you come over? And I was like, why? And you were like, I need like literally 30 minutes of vocals done, but it's on the Motley Crue record. And I was like, I'm headed. That way. <laughs> like, it was just so exciting. Cause it was I always this random. No. <laughs> yeah. I cannot say no. It was like just an opportunity. I was like, yeah, what could he need me to do? But that was what was so fun was I never quite knew what you were going to ask me to do, but I knew I would always learn. Something. Yeah. Yeah how to play with my voice a bit you know it was well and that's what's so that's what's so fun about working with people that have such versatile voices is that it's just a blank canvas so whatever it is you're looking for i mean there are case there are times several times where i would have her come in and do vocals and i was looking for a real operatic you know big chorus with with operatic vocals and yeah. no problem she just turns on that thing and 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 the next thing you know you've got you've got that <laughs> operatic vocal going on or or From you know rise, rise is like yeah. the highest yeah. one i think yeah. you've done yeah. and uh, exactly. we'll not go quietly is my favorite song you oh, guys cool. really? that's a cool oh yeah i love the guitar work in it dj oh, i good. have dj ashba's uh uh, what do you call it? Wah, wah pedal down here. Oh, those are great wahs. 
I love it because I'm like, I need something that turns off by itself, please. I cannot that's, keep doing that. <laughs> that's a great wah pedal. Anyone that's looking for a wah mm. pedal, that's that's the one to get, man. He put a lot of thought into that, and he made it really, really studio friendly, but also great for live performances. Yep. Mine just needs some WD-40 and, and ready to go. Got a little <laughs> squeaking to it. But yeah, it's cool. I'm like under this desk here, I have my whole pedal board and I always keep it underneath here. So I feel like when I'm doing anything, I'm just, I got the pedals right at my disposal. Right. Yeah. Easy to go. But, yeah. um, and Melissa, have you, uh, trained any other bands on the road? I don't I've never asked you that too in between. Oh, you know, I am working with a couple other rock singers that are just out in the industry, like people like you that are just, they're coming on their way up and doing mm -hmm. it and building their careers right now. Um, I know a lot of other rock singers and that's kind of what I've been working on as well is just kind of getting back into, you know, as a singer myself, coaching's always been kind of something else that I do, okay. but because I trained James on the road and was kind of more actively his coach on the road, I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed, um, kind of worrying about what he really needed to do and figuring out how to help him stay super, super healthy singing such epically athletic songs and that's something I'm 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 good at doing is helping maybe certain singers that they haven't been raised with those sorts of techniques, yeah. but they really could benefit from those sorts of techniques. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Yeah. So, you yeah. know, to any singers, you know, that that kind of come my way that are in that industry, there's kind of a myth in the rock industry that you don't need any training. And my thought is, but if you get some training, you'll be able to do it a whole hell of a lot longer. Yeah. You know. You know, what's interesting about that, Frank, and, and this is just a, a little plug for Melissa, is that um, I've worked with a lot of vocal coaches. I've worked with some of the, the best in the industry. And, okay. um, and, and the, one, the one thing that I always found was there was a language barrier. And the language barrier was really based on the fact that for as experienced as they were and as many, you know, rock stars and pop artists that they've worked with, they didn't, they didn't actually have the onstage night after night. Yes. What, what this is really like experience. And so there was I've never worked with any either. <laughs> right. So there was a language barrier and that, yeah. and, and that's what I found Melissa was able to gap because she has been on stage with me performing these things. So we, we were able to speak that kind of that, that same language. And sometimes it's a very desperate freaked out. Oh my God, you got to help me type of language that isn't necessarily what some of these, you know, more refined uh, instructors are, are even able to speak. Yes. So I, I, yep. I found that I was able to communicate my concerns to her and she was able to, to understand them because of her stage experience. And, and that cut out a lot of the frustration for me. And we just got right down to the point where we were speaking the right language and we were fixing things with my voice. So that was something that, uh, that I found was unique to Melissa's, uh, techniques. And that was on the first tour yeah. you said to the very first tour you blew out and like half the of very first tour. She was not my coach during the very first tour. I was tour. your assistant. I was she was my assistant. assistant. Okay. Cause I, I did yeah. see that and back I, uh, in but, New York but, here. You know, because she was my assistant, she was able to be out on the road with me and see what I went through and see just those those terrifying moments where mm. I was, you know, 
where I was scared to death that something was going wrong or that I was not going to be able to deliver. Uh, and so she was able to kind of absorb all of that stuff. And then by the time she was actually doing coaching, you know, all of those things were, were had made an impression on her and she was able to help me break through them as we continued working together. Yeah. That's great yeah. for you to, to step out of yourself, you know, cause you sing, you write music too. And to, to kind of throw yourself in someone else's body sort of, and, and kind of just yeah. analyze everything. And well, being that's a tough. Vocalist, it's tough. It's really hard to be a singer, you know, and, mm. and it's, and, and Frank, you're a guitarist and you play like lots of instruments, just like James, the voice is the hardest instrument. I don't care what anyone says. Yeah. It is the hardest instrument to play. You can't play. get rid of it. it you can't. Does. Yeah. <laughs> you can't, you can't set put it, it off in the face. To to change the strings. You know. Yeah. What'd you say, James? Yeah. I was just saying, yeah, you you can't put your voice in a in a case at the end of the night and just go out and enjoy yourself. You bring it with you everywhere you go. So, yep. you know, um it's that's that's one of the challenges but boy there's nothing more exciting than when you uh when you have done the work you've put the work in and you know your voice so well and you've eliminated most of those daily concerns because you're well trained and you're well prepared there are few things more exciting than than being than standing off stage and knowing that you're going to go out there and just kill it that's an exciting you don't have feeling. to worry yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that's my biggest thing as a singer guitar wise. I don't care. I go out there. I'll play whatever I I, really? I could be half dead and play guitar. Yeah. Singing is a whole other thing. And it's, um, and I feel it sometimes like you ever felt like halfway in a set, you're like, Oh damn, I don't know. I know the songs that are coming and we'll see if my voice lasts, you know, oh, or something weird's going to happen. You just know it. You yeah, know, the, the smell of the venue. Sometimes you're outside, and everyone's smoking, and you're like, "Cause I have asthma, so I'm like dying." And it's everything. Everything affects it. Yeah, everything about your behavior and what you're around. Diet, I had another everything. Had, That's right. Melissa and I talk about this all the time. Is that there is never never that perfect night where everything's lined up and and the 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 environment is great and you're feeling great i mean i should maybe once every 100 or 200 <laughs> gigs you might have a night that comes close to that yeah but most yep. most of the time you're figuring out how to how to deliver a 100 percent performance when you're feeling about 78 percent yeah that is that yeah. is typical for us singers and and we just have to know that and be okay with that and realize that you're always dealing with some type of environmental or physical thing that is going, eh, this doesn't quite feel right. I don't know how the show's going to be tonight, yeah. but eventually you just go, eventually you're okay walking on stage with that, at that 76%, you know, percent, you know, yeah. feeling yeah. and going, I'm going to go kill it. I'm going to, I'm going to go give it the best 76% I've ever given in my life. <laughs> Not bad. Not bad. Do you, yeah. do you get where it's like uh, you yeah. know the part that's going to cause you trouble in a certain song and you almost like dread getting to it? You know, uh, that's, a great, day? that's a great question. And um, I would never allow a moment like that to, 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 to find me on stage. Okay. If, if, 
I, I would never allow myself to go on stage without the certainty that I can, that I can get through this somehow. So, so that's what rehearsals are for, you know, and and you can, you push yourself, you figure out where your limitations are, you figure out where you can shine, you figure out where you can breathe, you figure out all that stuff, what you're going to say, how you're going to talk to the audience, how often you're going to talk, what energy level you're going to talk with, because all of those things make a huge difference. Yep. Yep. You pretty much answered all my questions on on that front. I had a whole bunch of stuff written down is right out the window. <laughs> well, that's the thing is that, you know, that's the thing. I think what you said is so important, James, that it's it's that thing of eliminating those fear-based thinking things while yeah. you're on stage. And that's why it's so important to answer questions yeah. about things that are challenging. And that was the big thing for 6 a.m. songs was like, that first tour you guys did, like you were never planning to sing that stuff live. It was just sort of a side band, you know, and then, then you're presented with that. And it, it really does become, okay, my job is to get out there and know how to handle these things. So that is now my work is figuring out how to handle it. And even if you wrote it, like, it doesn't mean that you don't have to, it's one thing to do in the studio. It's a totally other thing to do it live. That's That's right, Frank. And that's right. And it kind of comes back to what I said about, you know, about never really feeling better than 76%. I mean, that's just kind of a, an arbitrary number I'm throwing out there. Yeah. Um, But, but the point being is that because there are always going to be all of these other factors that affect your, your performance that day, eliminate all questions during rehearsals don't you just just get it so that it's a perfect show so you have no questions no insecurities because on the day of the show you're always going to have something that just that just puts a puts a dent Mm. in your in your plans yep yep a bad uh bad sound guy or somebody that says if you play a minute longer on stage i will take your stuff mid song and throw it off the stage (laughs) Yep. I've had that happen too. And I was yep. like, looked at the guy and I go, you better not do that. You're paying for all my stuff. I ain't doing right, it. Right, exactly. I, ain't doing it. <laughs> I was like, okay. Now anyone now, they can contact you, Melissa, for vocal lessons. And yeah. we have uh, the Songwriter Safe Place once a month. Oh, the, singers the come singer together. The Safe Place, yeah. So we've been doing this this new group and it really is designed for vocalists. It's just, it's a monthly meeting uh, and I announce it on my Instagram and, and James always, we just have these awesome conversations. Everybody missed you, Frank, last time. Yeah, I was shooting a scary movie. horror movie. I'm, tr- I'm I trying to finish it up. Frank is you know what I today. what I love about the singer's safe place, um, and it's it's absolutely something that when I started touring with Six AM many years ago, I would have killed to have some type of forum like the singer's safe place, where a bunch of us can just a bunch of us singers from all different walks of life, all different levels yeah. of success. Um, all different levels of vocal ability, I'm assuming. And we all just get together. Well, you've been there, Frank. And we just, and we talk about whatever was relevant this week in our lives. And quite often it's very, very interesting. I've been uh, in the recording studio recently. So I've had a lot of questions and thoughts to bring to the conversations. And so does everybody else. And it's just a, a great forum for us singers to be able to 
voice concerns, ask questions, pick brains, yeah. or, 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 you know, give testimonials just based on what's going on in our lives that week. So it's a wonderful forum. And I just, I love it. I, I never miss a single one. I was going to say too, I, I think I left you an audio message on Instagram that you are the only singer that I know that pretty much has done that. Ah. That, you know, it's like, you know, he's worked with Motley Crue and everything. And you think, no, man, he's not going to hang around for two hours talking to everybody. He's not going to do an interview. Well, Come on, man. You know, you know what? I mean, I appreciate you saying that. But the reality is this. I'm going to be reaching out to some of my colleagues, other other rock stars and singers of other bands, because I know that they will love these conversations. I hope they're, they do. I really they're do. They're simple. They are. They're honest. And um and I mean, I just know from being on the road with all these singers, I know that they're all looking for some type of, you know, support group because people uh, support group is the wrong word, but it is kind of a support group. Yeah, uh, people people don't way. understand the the challenges and the insecurities that us singers have. Now, I, I don't want to just sit here and feel sorry for myself. That's not what this is about. It's about, yeah. it's about yeah. engaging in really great conversation where something might spark a new idea for you. And then you'll just go and try it, you know, try something that somebody said, that's what it's about. Just trying yeah. new things. I was and pumped also, up last time I left. I was like, yeah. I forgot what I did, but I was like, I got to go do something now, which yeah. is cool. And it's like, especially with you, like how, like if you live in a small town in some state, you can't just like, I don't somehow meet somebody like you and then ask a question and you know what I mean it just doesn't happen. Yeah. So it's it's learning it's, from each it's other great. and, and yeah. James is a great teacher. James is a great teacher. I'm so thankful that he wants to come be involved in these conversations but I realize you know he he loves to ask questions and listen to what people have to say because we do learn from each other even if yeah. it's even if we're in completely different worlds, if it's a musical theater singer or a rock singer or a you know country singers tour, jazz singers tour, we all have we all know what it's like to be out on the road yeah. dealing with yeah. the pressures of touring or whatever it might be. So we can all relate. It doesn't matter whether we're in the musical theater industry or the rock industry. We can all relate to what that feeling is like of dealing with your voice. You know, yes, that's what. It's out. Melissa, plug your website right now and and oh and... melissahardingmusic.com. You can find out stuff about lessons there. The singer safe place we meet once a month and it's always up there in my group offerings so you can find it. Um but really, you know, follow me on Instagram, Melissa Harding Voice. I'm always talking about voice stuff there. And that's and TikTok, in fact. <laughs> TikTok, gotta <laughs> jump on the wagon. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm on the I have mixed feelings about TikTok, but um, I do. Don't too. we all? Don't we all? Uh, well, here, uh, I try to talk to, about some different things here, and everyone knows it's it's more of a chat. This show, it's not a formal interview. Like you know, where'd you yeah, start singing? Why did you do that? And blah, blah, blah. So my uh, my question for you that is, I guess, the formal question, and it's something that um, I haven't seen a band do. Is you released? Uh, prayers for the damned and the blessed pretty close to each other because that was the <laughs> last time I went to a real music store, bought the CD and seen a sticker and it said, wait for like in a few months there's another CD coming out Yeah, I was like, you gotta be kidding me <laughs> you know it, and I got both yeah. and, and, and it's funny because 
about halfway through that year, we all looked at each other and said, what the heck were we thinking, man? This was, it was so tough. That was, mm. that was, that was a, a fun, but very, very tough year because we were also planning touring during it too. So we yeah. thought, what a great idea to make a double record, release them, kind of stagger them, release one, be out on the road, release another one. And it was a great idea. Uh, you know, at that point, because of streaming and because of all of the changes that were happening in the music industry, everyone was trying to just find some new way to do things, something that was a little bit different that could maybe give your band an edge, you know? Yeah, yep. And I think <laughs> that that was our thought process. And, and we modeled it after some other bands that had done similar things and it seemed to work well for them. Um, but, you know, Anytime you do something like that, timing is everything. And I, and yeah. I think that, uh, you know, you had mentioned when we were talking earlier that um, We Will Not Go Quietly was your favorite 6 a.m. song. And it was and a that live was, music video, too, I think. It was like we did a live music and... video, which was a lot of fun. Yep. Uh, but I kind of feel like that song, when we released that as a single, I kind of feel like we stumbled over ourselves a little bit because of the timing of those two albums. And I think that uh, because of the similarity in the names, Prayers for the Blessed and Prayers for the Damned, yeah. I'm not sure that people quite understood what the differences were and that they were two actually fully, completely different albums. Okay. So I think that the messaging got a little bit confused there, but uh Nonetheless, they were both great records. Um, and I mean, it no, as a part one, part two type that's thing. Exact, Maybe if the that's actual exactly number was on there, like PT1. and You know, that that's exactly yeah. what it was. And that was our goal. And it was really just a way to put out a bunch of music in a short period of time and go do some touring. And, and, and yeah. um, you know, looking back on it, I would... I would never make a double album in, in that short of a period of time again, because it was, it was incredible. Like, like I was, I had a little music studio set up in the back of our tour bus and I was mixing songs for prayers for the blessed while, while we were out touring, performing songs from prayers for the damn. <laughs> and it was just this crazy wow. kind of chaos that happened, you know, where I was sitting back in the back with headphones, trying to get these songs mixed. And then as soon as we got off the road, I was back in the studio and, you know, putting final touches on the mixes. So poor ears. It, it was crazy. It was crazy, but you know, it was a great experience. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it for anything, but I wouldn't do it that way again. Yeah. Now are you in a home studio now? Like I am. 18 yeah. hour days. You were doing like 18 hour days in the studio. Yeah. I almost wow. forget that. It was, it was a lot. The rest of the it band. Was a lot. They yeah, play their parts, but then he would be the one producing left alone in the studio just for hours and hours and the hours. The studio rat. Yeah. Oh my God. Call it. it was, so you know, it was, it was a lot of fun to have that many canvases going at the same time. I keep using the artist references, but yeah. to have that many songs going at the same time and being able to, uh, to color each of them in a different way. And, and it was a lot of fun. That was, that was a fun palette to work with. Um, but boy, yeah, just exhausting. Absolutely. Exhausting. Well, at least now you have a home studio and you can, you can do it when, whenever you want to. Exactly. Um, gear wise, what do you, what do you use for like preamps and are you all digital guy, a little analog? What do you got going uh, on? 
I have I have some very very nice outboard gear. I have some some Neves and some SSL compression and and okay. um, and uh, LA two A's and eleven seventy sixes. A lot of originals. Um, so so I've really built up my outboard gear uh, over the years because recording to digital, as you know, is it has its has its limitations, and so yeah, you want to make yeah. sure that like you asked about pre's. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything going in is going to color and affect, you know, what's what ultimately comes out. So, yeah, I've, I've got a nice uh, I've got some nice outboard gear. I do all of my mixing internally now. So I'm all in the box as far as mixing goes, yep. um, which, which is not that, too. Yeah, it's 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 come along so far that, you know, I, I don't really I mean, I always like to spread things out on an SSL and, and do a real analog mix, but we just don't, we don't have budgets for that anymore. And, yeah. and in yeah. the end, you know, people don't really appreciate the difference anymore. It's not, the, it's not their job to appreciate the difference, you know, but yeah, us, us gearheads can still appreciate they're it. They're left on the, the cell phones. And yeah. I, have a, I, do, I don't know if you do, but uh Chris Lord algae, he's like, you always got to have that small boom box. Oh yeah. Absolutely. I got one right here. And I tell you, Cause I'm like, I'm hearing things. Oh, this is awesome. Right. I throw it through the boom box and I go, why is that guitar like way up here? Yeah. You just don't yeah. hear it until you hear something like cheap through it. Yeah. I always, I, you like, know, I, I reference things on my iPhone. Now I still do car references and you know, the small oh, boom yeah. and all of that stuff. Um, but you know, nowadays I feel like we should primarily be mixing for iPhones or, or, or for phones in general, which is, which is a very sad thing to have to say, but it's true. You know, I mean, yeah. for the most part, we've, we've got to make sure stuff translates to our iPhones. We just have to. And quite often, as I'm sure you've found, uh, you, you, you have to, you have to tuck your vocals a little bit for, for iPhones because the iPhone just takes that vocal and, and pulls it way out front. So, uh, yeah, so you, yeah. you, you got to be careful about that. Hmm. That's interesting. And I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm old school. I like that. Uh, the thunder bass, you know, oh, the bass that you heard on the kiss records and, uh, yeah. Metallica and you don't hear that as much anymore. So whatever I work on, uh, Melissa heard my whole, my whole catalog from 10 years. Oh, cool. And, uh, I don't know if she could hear some of that. I didn't do all the, the work. But um, the last couple of stuff I did. There's a going on on that record. Uh, I mean, there's some fast drums. (laughs) I mean, he's quite a guitarist. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. You probably know some of the people I work with, but that's that's another conversation. Those guys are awesome, (laughs) though. But that's that's like, um, uh, you know, being a solo artist. I don't I don't know if you consider you more of a solo artist with with your own stuff. And and, but uh, it's nice working with with a bunch of people that way it, it is you know i was doing a i did a podcast a few years ago um we did like 30 episodes and i had a lot of fun because i i was able to interview some people that i found very interesting um and i was interviewing uh a a, a songwriter um a very very successful songwriter and i asked him how do you stay relevant you know because um because the music music itself is changing so rapidly that it really become quite hard to to keep up. And he just said, without even hesitating, he said, collaboration. He goes, that's the only way to stay relevant. Just collaborate, collaborate, collaborate. So I'm doing a solo. uh, Well, I'm doing a project right now. That's just me. uh, And I'm getting ready to release some new music and um, I'm collaborating on everything just because I find it more interesting 
you know, I know what I'm going to do. I can't surprise myself anymore. I know, <laughs> I know what kind of melody lines I'm going to come up yeah. with. I'm more interested in what you're going to come up with and how I can adapt to that. So, yeah. so I love the collaboration. Uh, uh, and, and, and I, I just, um, it keeps me motivated and it does keep me current. It helps, it helps me keep a very fresh and relevant mindset to what's going on. Yeah. That's a whole conversation I could go into for an hour on another day of oh, yeah. all the production stuff. Yeah. This is like, I don't know. I could say that we all had the same gray panels everywhere. Notice I get the panel, uh, like yeah. a black ceiling on the, yeah, I see them. Now that was yeah. a do you donated that to her or something, right? Is that what you said? Uh, oh yeah, that's right. In the original I, studio you know, or something. You know, right. Right. He has lots of this kind of stuff, you know? So when I, when I finally got a little studio in LA, I was like, what do I do for some soundproofing or whatever? Mm -hmm. And he, he gave me some cool, what are these called? Diffusers. Yeah. That's just a, like an absorber and a diffuser. They're just, they're yeah. just sound panels. They do different things, but the, for the most part, we're just trying to absorb some of the live echoey, you know, stuff going on in your room. They're so nice. I think yeah. they look nice. <laughs> they they look, do. They do look cool. Um, I had them up in an apartment in between when, when we were trying to remodel this whole place, and uh, it did help a lot. I had like nine of them in there. I couldn't put them on the walls, but I just put them all on the floor around it. Yeah. Because sometimes those apartments, you could hear like people talking next door, and yeah. it was bad. I'm like, I'm <laughs> never going to be able to do anything. I'm doing interviews, and all of a sudden you hear this, and dogs barking, and right right excuse excuse everything in the background well, folks and those panels <laughs> as you know those panels don't uh, they don't do anything to keep sound from the outside coming in yeah but what they do is they control the sound within the room so that you so that your microphones don't have to work as hard and, yeah. and you know by doing that you're you're probably less likely to pick up sound from outside so it's an important part of being able to even do what you're doing, like with, with this, uh, with the, the podcasting or the, the interviews and stuff, you know, you can't have a bunch of echoes going on. It's very distracting. No, it's my, my last guy interviewed. He was outside a mall, uh, doing his with his iPhone. It wasn't too bad, but you could hear the trucks and, and all that kind of stuff, but he was kind of encaved in this cement corner Yeah, somehow, yeah. somewhere. So there, the wind didn't hit it. <laughs> oh my God. So that was, I, that was cool. I just did, uh, we just released, uh, 6am just released our greatest hits package, uh, uh several months ago. And so there yeah, was, I was going to ask that. I've just seen that. Oh yeah. There was a period of time where I was doing a lot of interviews, you know, podcasts, radio interviews and stuff like that. And one of, for some reason I was doing a lot of the international ones and, um, which, so, so number one, you're, you're dealing with the different time zones and stuff like that. Mm. Um, but I did one interview with a gentleman, bless his heart. He was, he, I think it was in Italy and he was just sitting at a cafe, which looked beautiful. I just loved, you know, doing this interview with him because it was just this beautiful, you know, village and a cafe and you could, you know, the stuff that you could see in the background was, was beautiful, but it was so noisy. And all he had was that little, you know, that little earbud uh, microphone. Yeah, yeah. And, and then on top of that, I, I really couldn't understand him because his English was, was not great. Oh man, that was a tough interview because I did like, all I was hearing was clanking dishes and buses going by and, and just you're, all of those smiling. Yes, sir. Yes. Yeah. That was great. I, I, yeah. So I have no idea how it turned out, but yeah, I just kept a smile on my face and, <laughs> 
And that's what you got to do. That's the whole question interviews where you're like, when do you have a new record coming out? Yeah, yeah. And you wait because you can't. It's tough. You can't hear people sometimes. You want to be rude, but you're like, right. yeah, yup. Yeah. And it's so. Yeah, that's right. Now, Melissa, do you sing on other people's projects like if they wanted to reach out to you for, for you know, vocal work? Yeah, I guess sometimes I do. It kind of depends on the project and just what I'm in the middle of. But, you know, I got I got some work on one of James's songs coming up at some point here. So I still do that kind of work with nice. different people. You did, uh, yeah. you did the 30 Seconds to Mars album, didn't you? Yeah, I sang on a 30 Seconds to Mars album. You know, wow. like when random stuff comes up, I, you know, if it comes my way and it's something that it works in my life, I always will jump you in. You sung on a ton of albums that I've produced. So I'm trying yeah, to think I, of both. Basically all the stuff you've produced through the years that you've needed female vocals on, I've I've come running to, you know. So, but <laughs> but you've really been, I've been the most loyal to working with James through the years just because he's always kept me busy because he's always been in the middle of so many different things and a lot of the work I used to do for you back in the day was demo singing so I used to yeah. like sing a lot of demos for him if he was pitching something to a Kelly Clarkson or a Pink or someone he would have yeah. me come in and do that vocal first so that was we haven't done as much of that lately but it, it was always really fun to do any of that kind of stuff yeah, yeah. I love it I love it is that weird to never know that it's not going to be released with your vocal on it not really. No, no. It's always, always fun. I mean, I always said that to him, like, is it weird to know that this song may <laughs> not get to that person? And, and like, honestly, yeah. I can tell the people that are James fans, I have sung countless songs that are brilliant songs that he's written that you have never heard. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> there are so many. That's just true. When you're a songwriter, the like that's just B side. Yeah, that's just the nature of the business. You know, I've um, it, it's it it can be frustrating, you know, because you have just hundreds of songs that don't get the exposure that other that certain ones do. But you get used to that after a while. I mean, there's yeah. only so much room out there for for successful songs. You know, I mean, there's more room now because of all the different platforms, all the different streaming platforms and stuff. But you just get used to the fact that just every once in a while you get that one song that hits, and uh, yeah. and then you ride you ride that wave. Um, and and you just have to you have to fight off those feelings of frustration for the other songs because number one. It doesn't just because it didn't get cut this year doesn't mean it's not going to get cut next year or the year after that or even 10 years. I just finished recording a song that's 12 years old. Me and my buddy Blair Daly finished. <laughs> we started writing it 12 years ago. We finished writing it last week. We're like, well, that only took 12 years and two hours. Wow. You know, it's like, is it similar uh, or is it completely different? Oh, it's, it's pretty similar to the original. It's okay. just, it's just, you know, we just re we just kind of looked at, okay, so what stopped us from finishing at that back then? Oh, that's, well, let's just conquer that right now. And it's fucking awesome song. Sorry for my language. It's an amazing <laughs> was it, song. Was it's it always amazing. in your head? That sort of thing. You're like, I'm going to go back and redo it someday. You, whether you know you what? Like it or. There's so many unfinished songs out there. And the uh, great thing about my buddy Blair is every once in a while, he'll just send me a bunch of MP3s of, of our, of our writing sessions. Yep. So I'll be, and, and so that's what he did with this one. I'm like, Oh man, this was a great song. Why didn't we finish this? He's like, I don't know. I'm like, let's finish it now. So that's the beauty of it is that it's, this is just ever evolving, you know, yeah. 
Yeah. I, I'm, I'm releasing a song coming up soon that I released 10 years ago. Um, and I'm just releasing a new and different version of it. So why not? Who cares? <laughs> yeah. That's what, that's you a big question. All the old songs. I have requests actually for some of your old songs. <laughs> like okay. only get so far needs to be out. You know, like there were some really great songs. I'm literally thinking I have like five in my head that you should bring back. Anyway, there, go ahead. Frank. There's some good ones. <laughs> I was going to say, everyone out there, before we go here, thanks for tuning in here. Only here on Radio Wigwam, you can hear us Tuesday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 8 p.m. UK Time. There's reruns. This is all going to be on our social media as well. Um, shoot, what I was, I was going to say something and I forgot. What did you last say, Melissa? Remind me of it. Oh, oh, oh unfinished songs. Yeah. Um, I had a song I wrote 20 years ago. And it was just because um, it's an instrumental, but it's one that I loved. So that's why I asked you that question, because in my head it was, I love this, but it never seen the light of day. It never really got its day, sort of. Yeah. yeah. And that's yeah. why I redid it. And um, the secret thing, as I'm going to tell folks out there, is you don't, they don't realize that some of these songs aren't being written right now. They're written, like you said, years ago, uh, left on paper that you forget in some box, yeah. And then you pull it out like an antique uh, dinosaur bone. Yeah. <laughs> you know? and it's like, wow, what is but this? Now, but, but now you have the advantage of this whole new mind. Your mind is completely different than you've it was grown. 20 years ago when you did it. So now you've got the advantage and you've got the perspective on it where you can probably make decisions about it so easy because you're not emotionally attached to it anymore. So you yes. can be like, yeah, that chorus line was just not that great. Let's get rid of it. Whereas you would have clung on to that chorus line 20 years ago because you knew it was the best line in the song back then. Yes, I would have. And now you realize that it's not. <laughs> well, that's James, the thing. That's like, oh, sorry, Frank. I was going to say it was 6 a.m. Even Heroin Diaries, a lot of those songs people don't realize. Those were songs from my solo record. Like four of the songs on that record were from my solo record years before Van Eyes, which wow. used to be called Burbank, um, Permission, um, Dead Man's Ballet. And uh, there's another one on there, too, that were just songs that were and, sitting around. And you use Nikki's lyrics, right, that were written be before. No, those were no, those were all my lyrics. Oh, on those. OK. Yeah, and then and then on songs moving forward, Nikki and I wrote together. We we loved writing lyrics together. It's it's oh, so okay. much fun writing lyrics with him because we just we just we come at things from such different angles and we complement each other very well. And 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 I'm always excited to to get his take on something. You know, yeah. we've always we've always enjoyed that process a lot. Yeah, I say if you can find somebody that you write with that you gel. Whether yeah. you're alike or not, it's if it works. Yeah, yeah. You know what absolutely. I mean? Something magical can happen sometimes. But the absolutely. whole gear and the production thing, I'd love to have a short conversation some other time about that. But that, that um, because I know I was going to say out there, James does all of his own stuff. The records that you hear, you've mixed and, and you've recorded and stuff like that. Not not a lot of people do that as well. And that's yeah. that's really what I'm into past, I don't know, 10 years or so. But um it's because you, I mean, you guys are signed to a label, obviously, and a lot of labels don't like the artist to mix their own stuff. That's what I was going to ask you before we go is, yeah. was that yeah. ever a problem? Be like, well, no, we just want to bring this other producer in and then mix this and we want to send it out here. No, you know what? That's a really good question. And had we been on any other label, that would have been a battle. 
Yeah. But our label was extremely supportive of, of me doing all that. We just, you know, they, our label just looked at us to go, that's something that's working. Let's not get in the way. Let's just let them keep doing that for the most part. You know, there, okay. were, there were times where we butted heads about certain things, but, but when a label gives you that kind of freedom, um, it's usually a, a really good thing. Now, that being said, I should also say, Frank, that there are occasions where, you know, looking back on things, I would have liked to hear a different mixer's viewpoint. I would have, I would have liked to hand that stuff off and have them mixed by somebody else or even produced by somebody else. But, but I'm saying that in hindsight, because I would find it interesting because I would, I would learn, you know, Mm -hmm. anytime that I've had uh, other mixers mix things that I've produced, I learn a ton. Uh, Usually sometimes it's stuff to do and sometimes it's stuff not to do, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, you learn, you expand, and it gives you some other ideas that you've never maybe thought of. Like, I didn't think of putting that much reverb underneath the snare there and this and this, and you really... Like I'm not a reverb snare guy. Whatever it is, you know what but, I mean. But then the next five songs you do, there's just way too much reverb on your snare because you've overdone it. Yeah, I, you know we all yeah. we all do that too. Too much compression. Right, right, exactly. Someday we'll have to have the EQ well, if versus a little compression bit works, talk. Then a lot works better, right? Yeah. <laughs> if, if I turn it up to five and it sounds good, then if I turn it up to ten, it should sound twice as good, right? <laughs> mm, that's kind of how I started. But I, I started really quick. I started with a Fostex tape recorder. Me too. That, then a, um, a CD to CD mastering deck. Oh, yeah. And I had yeah. a board, like a Behringer board. And then I do went you, to do a you remember when? Do you remember when the CDs, those seat blank CDs that you bought cost $15 a piece? What? You probably don't remember that. No, I, my, yeah, it was my very before first, my time. <laughs> my very first CD burner was a four-time CD burner, and it and it cost me, I think, $1,500 for a CD burner, which you can now buy for – I mean, I don't even know if you buy them anymore. But, oh, my gosh. Uh, and, yeah. and, wow. and, and blank CDs cost $15 a piece. Unbelievable. <laughs> I'm old, dude. <laughs> Well, it's like I'm on the oh cusp. I, I grew up with this technology, so it's always interesting. And I have a yeah. bit old school, and then there's the digital. But do you remember the yeah. um, the boss, like the digital recorders before there was computers? Yeah, yeah. They actually sounded really good. And then I oh, would yeah. like transfer the main file to like my computer that only could hold like four tracks. Yeah, and that was cool. Yeah, I started off on a four track, a Fostex four track cassette. That's what so I had. Yeah. yeah, it was like a normal. And I loved that thing, man. It was so cool because you'd you'd put a track down and then you'd put another track down and then you'd bounce those two over to one. And then you'd That's that would free, now you. you've got you three tracks them? again. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, and then you'd record three more tracks, you'd bounce those over to another. Now you've got you can do two more tracks. And so yeah. ultimately you could get yourself six or eight tracks going on. If, I would if do you were all clever. the drums through the Behringer board into one track and it would sound like, oh, like yeah. a garbage can. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> like, all right. But the guitars, uh, I don't know what it is, but I think guitars recorded analog sounds, they sound really, really good. Oh my God, dude. It's like, it's night and day. And then this is, this kind of goes back to the beginning when we were asking about whether I do everything in the box or not. I do mix completely in the box now, but boy, when I do occasionally spread stuff back out on an analog console, guitars, night and day. Yeah. I, I spend, I spend, 60% of my time working on guitar tones in the digital format 
Okay. I would spend 5% of my time working on guitar tones in the analog format. They're just so much easier to get sounding good. They're so much easier to get sitting in the mix properly without Mm. having to do a bunch of EQ. I haven't do much compression at all. Yeah. It it makes a big difference. You lose that real low end from the amp. You lose that. You lose the air movement. It just doesn't move air the same uh, way. technical geeks out there 80 to 300 range that that some of it's garble in there but a lot of the uh digital plugins don't have that push they don't they yeah don't. from it but uh i don't like i said we, we can go into gear talk all day but i appreciate well, I'll you talk, i'll talk for hours about gear but that we'll is do that another time yeah <laughs> swap uh ideas here yeah. So I know I appreciate you guys coming on here, everybody. I know my fans were talking about it. Like, you're gonna you're gonna talk to oh my god, that's awesome. We're gonna listen to that show. Oh, cool. I was like, cool. thanks. Well, I, Maybe you can listen to some of the other ones too. <laughs> yeah. But we're doing good on Mixcloud. Thanks everybody for listening because we were number 94 on the hard rock charts on Mixcloud the other day, which I don't care. I, I'll take top 100 out of anything. So that's that's uh that's cool. I Aww. I almost was like. You know, it's the show. I'm not. I don't. I don't know what to say anymore. Because sometimes I just do music playlists, and you run out of music to put on. And I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know the show anymore. Yeah. But, uh, there's a little little revitalization here going on. So I don't Good. like it. I don't like it a lot. <laughs> Good. Well, let's uh, <laughs> let's let's do another one and talk gear. Yes, it'll be all a gearhead show. Which uh, yeah. Often, we'll bore and, everybody. I will yeah. skip out on that show because I don't know what y'all. <laughs> talking about but that's fine that's great. all right well you, you know what the volume knob is that's step number one that's right I do, know that. I do know that i do know that so everybody out there make sure you go grab a copy of the new greatest hits i i believe it's on cd as well on amazon i think I see yeah that. yeah yeah it should be it should be everywhere okay. um we actually did it on vinyl too which was pretty okay. cool yeah that was a lot of fun Make sure you pick oh, that it's up, always, everybody. It's always putting stuff out on vinyl. It just makes it seem, you know, I mean, that's what I grew up with was vinyl. So I just, I still get, the, the hairs still stand up on my arms when I open up vinyl and be like, man, I made this. This is cool. You know? Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Melissa? Oh, yeah. Definitely the vinyl. Definitely. She's on vinyl. I have one 6 a.m. album on vinyl from one Dude. of ours that. Yeah. Aren't you on, oh, oh no! Did we did we did prayers for the damned vinyl, but not no. We did both. We did both. You did do both. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. That was a very cool moment opening that up on vinyl. Yeah, and vinyl. I seen an oh, FYE when it came out. Yeah, the old yeah. FYEs. Yeah, but I love playing vinyls as well. It's my favorite way to listen in our house. And we have a lot of old music too. So see, I never <laughs> quite got that. I was a cassette and CD guy. <laughs> So I was like, I'm still stuck on that. I did have a record player at some point, but not that I didn't get it. It just I didn't, I guess, feel it the same as, as what you guys are saying. I'm okay. always like, give me, give me the CD, you know. Okay, what I mean? Frank, yeah, but at least you have that. Cassette, <laughs> at least you've got that cassette experience, so you you can appreciate a good analog cassette still. Yes, yes, and they sound real warm. Besides oh yeah. the hiss. That's right. But they're good. That's- Thanks, everybody. Make sure you tune in every Tuesday night here, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 8 p.m. UK Time for Plangy Studio of Rock. We'll always have some interviews on here. All the artists are kind of on tour right now. So we're going to have, if you're listening, we got two in August here. 
And um, I don't know where you are out there from from the country because you have UK, you have Canada, you got USA. Thanks for tuning in anywhere. Make sure you hit us up on social media and let us know you, who who you want to talk to next. Who who would you like to uh, to get to kind of have this up close personal chat here? And um, what do you want to hear on my radio show when I play radio music? <laughs> I really want to know. <laughs> So anything hard rock metal. I sometimes I do like um 80s themed shows and then like I thought about doing an all album show too. So maybe I'll take your greatest hits with this and just slam it, you know, before and after. Yeah. Be all six AM. Maybe one Motley Crew. Maybe I'll throw that in there. I love it. The two maybe the tattoo song, the alligator one. I don't know. I don't I don't remember the alligator. Now I gotta go back and look at that album. There's something like that. I, I I'd have to message you instantly I would get. I just can't think of it right now. Yeah. I'm just like, well, okay. But thanks guys very much. I appreciate it. And uh make sure you tune in soon. All right, Dan. What's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to the podcast version here of Palangi Studio of Rock only on Radio Wigwam. Catch the live shows every Tuesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 8 UK. Chime in on our social medias and make sure you see any of these video repeat podcasts on YouTube and go to frankplanty.com. Appreciate it. Hope you guys come back and I will see you soon.